Glad you guys are here. Thanks for joining us as we unpack this, this message on depression. There was a guy, he decided to become a monk. And so he joined this particular monastery to where their thing was that the monks had to be totally silent for seven straight years. And then they could say two words at the end of seven years. So he's there, and they, he just seemed depressed. They just thought, man, there's something wrong with this guy. He doesn't seem happy. Uh, of course, they couldn't ask him about it. He couldn't talk. And so then seven years came and went, and he went into the abbot's office, the headmaster there at the monk uh, at the monastery. And, uh, and the, the abbot said, well, what are your two words after seven years that you'd like to say? And he said, food's bad. They're like, oh, okay, all right. So then seven more years pass. He's, you know, completely silent in the monastery. He comes back at the 14-year mark, and they're like, okay, it's been seven more years. What two words would you like to say? And he said, bed's hard. And so they're like, man, you know. So seven more years pass. It's 21 years now. He says, okay, now it's been seven more years. You have two words you can say. What would you like to say? And he said to the abbot, I quit. And the abbot said, yeah, I knew you would. All you ever do is complain around here. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you deal with depression or not, but most people have bouts of this. At the very least, negative thoughts that you have to kind of drag yourself out of. Maybe it's for some of you every once in a while. Maybe for you it's several weeks. Maybe for you it's a season of difficulty. We're going into the holiday season. That's one of the biggest depression times for many people. It can be very depressing. You're like, no, it's a time of family, right? It can be very depressing. So not everyone's happy about that, right? And so the truth is, is that depression is very real. A lot of people deal with it. And I want to be the first to say right now, I'm not a doctor, nor do I play one on TV. Okay, so let me just tell you, I'm not about to pretend to have all the answers. And this is a multidimensional issue. But my prayer is to give you some hope and some help today in a practical way from God's Word. Are you guys ready to go? Because I'm fired up. Ready? All right. First thing I want to tell you is this, is that you know what? Very well-known, strong Christians have dealt with depression. So I just want you to know, just don't think like, well, if I, would just, if I just prayed more, if I just read my Bible more, if I was just more spiritual, then I wouldn't have depression. That's simply not true. In fact, did you know that one of the most famous preachers of all time is a guy named Charles Spurgeon, and he dealt with depression on a daily basis. He dealt with depression. In fact, this is a quote from him. He said, there are dungeons, he said, beneath the castles of despair. Wow. So he understood what it was like to barely be able to drag yourself out of bed because you're just so depressed. He dealt with that. Now, let me dive into this, and I want to give you one of our key verses for the day here. But before I say it, I need to tell you something. You may identify with this verse, but this verse may also make you angry because it seems too simple. But could it be this simple? just want to challenge your, 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 your thinking on, on depression, on a depressive state of mind. So here's the verse. Proverbs 12. Anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. You say, oh, okay, hold on. You mean just one word can make me glad? That's what the Bible says. Please, you can question me all you want, but I wouldn't question God's word. So there's something powerful about the words. In fact, remember, remember last week you we talked about getting the God's word in you? So I want to go back to that same theme here. A word from God is a game changer for you. It really can be. And so I'm excited to be sharing this message with you. Before I go too far, I want to give you the four root causes of depression. These are what uh, psychologists tell us that these are very typical. This is from a medical community. And so here are the four causes. You guys ready? Here they are. The first one is biological. This is very real. I dealt with this uh, about, about 10 to 15 years ago in a big way because I had chronic pain. And so every day I woke up with back pain. Yes, my wife is miserable. In fact, I could, there were seasons I could hardly get out of bed. Uh, still two, three times a year at the most now, maybe even once a year, it's really dropped down, thank God, uh, then I just, I just can hardly move. 
And so, and, and I've had to get some pain and I've had to get some special shots that are so deep that you have to like knock you out to even get them because they're, they're deep into the core of your, your back and things like that. So I've dealt with chronic pain. In fact, at one season in my life, every single day for a year straight, I could hardly get out of bed. It just hurt so bad. And uh, I was really struggling because I didn't want to get, I didn't want to get hooked on any kind of pills, which I didn't, thank God. But the only way I didn't is because I just endured the pain. And so it was like, I went to the doctor and he said, you just got to manage this. Like, there's no solution. You got to manage it. And so, you know, that is very depressing to hear that. You're like, so I just have to be in pain all the time. Thank God there's been a few things that have really helped me. So I'm not in pain on a regular basis now. Every once in a while I am. But chronic pain was a big deal for me. Maybe for you it's a chemical imbalance. Maybe for you it's a hormonal change. This is why a lot of women have postpartum depression. It's because of the hormones. I mean, you just gave birth to a baby. Another human came out of you. And so you talk about jacking up your body and your hormones. That would do it. And so that is a big thing. Uh, a nutrition deficit is also a big thing. How you're eating matters. A lack of sleep is huge. And a lack of exercise. And believe it or not, a lack of sunlight. Did you know the most depressed city in America, there's two, are Seattle and New York. Seattle's because it's almost always overcast there. There's very, very little sunlight for big season, big chunk, months at a time. And in New York, you can go a whole year without seeing the sun if you, if you, did, if you lived in the city because the, the buildings are so tall, you can't even see the sun. And so this is, why they, they, this is why New Yorkers are avid lovers of Central Park, which is just really, you're like, this is not that great when you go there. But when you're living in nothing but buildings and concrete jungle the whole time, you long for it. And so there's a truth to your bi the biology of you. Your body needs certain things, okay? The second one is relational. This is where you're going through a divorce or problems with your kids or spouse or someone you love. Also, this is when we're isolated from relationships. Is it any wonder depression has gone through the roof in the last two, three years? Why? We were isolated. Everyone said, go home. You know, the government said, you need to go home and stay in your house. I mean, that's going to make you depressed, right? And so that's a huge one. Also, circumstantial. Uh, this is where maybe you lost someone close to you. Maybe you're grieving over, over losing someone or grieving over a trauma. Something happened to you or maybe a financial difficulty. You know what's also depressing for many people? Retirement. I know a lot of people are like, I'm looking forward to retirement. A lot of people, believe it or not, are not looking forward to retirement. And so especially for a lot of men, they, they associate so much what they do with who they are. And when they quit doing that, they think, who am I? So it's a real big issue. Another one um, is a loss of a job. Uh, another one is an empty nester. Now, this is not applying to me. When my last kid moved out, I was like, woohoo, let's go. So, but I'm just kidding. I love my kids just at a distance. I love you at a distance. No, I'm kidding. I love my kids. But it is hard, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's actually, I'm kidding, but it has been an adjustment. It is true that there's a, a very much a reality. I clearly think my wife sees it way different than I do. I've been asking God to take the kids away for years, so they're finally gone. So <laughs> now the truth is, is that it is tough. It's a tough season, and we are dealing with it. And it is quiet. I go home, and I'm like, it's really quiet. You know, it is. And so that's, there's a reality. So my point is this. Life change can bring depression. And so a lot of different circumstances can cause that, good and bad. And so that's also common. So some people get the job of their dreams or relationship with their dreams and they get depressed because they're like, I thought this would be better. And so that's another thing that can lead to depression. So circumstantial. And then the last one is spiritual. And this is where spiritual attacks from the enemy happen. Ephesians chapter 6 says this, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of this unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. So you ever felt like you're getting attacked from different angles? You're like, you ever felt like it all happened at once? Hmm, it's almost like there's an evil spirit coordinating all that. Guys, we forget that we 
go under spiritual attack, and that's, that's very real. So that can also be the case. So I want to give you some practical tools here. And again, I want to openly say I can't help you on the biological side. You need to go see a doctor about that. But the relational, circumstantial, spiritual, I believe all that, you will find something in the Scripture today for you. Now, I want to be real clear here. You may be thinking, you're already mad, thinking, I've been dealing with this all my life, and he thinks he can solve this in 30 minutes. No, I don't. I don't think I can solve this in 30 minutes. I think I can help you a bit. What if in the next 30 minutes we could give you just one thing that would give you 10% relief, 20% relief? Would that be worth today? Okay. So let's try to do that, okay? So I've dealt with depression in my life as well. I wrote a book on it. I hadn't even published it yet, but I've got a book written on it. Uh, because of a series I did years ago that, that really kind of hit people. Really, I got a lot of feedback. Oh, my gosh, it was so good. So I was like, oh, I need to write this. I just haven't published it. But, but my point is, is that I have personally dealt with this. In fact, in fact, what I wrote on and what I talked on years ago was how I had to cure my own depression uh, without drugs. Now, I want to be clear. I'm not saying if you're, if you're on some kind of antidepressant, that's bad. I'm not saying that. But what I am telling you is this. I have a very close doctor friend of mine. I was talking about it, and he said this. He said, the average doctor in America... 40% of the, of the scripts they write, 40% of their prescriptions they write are antidepressants. You are not going to convince me that 40% of us need to be on something. Do a percentage of us probably need to? Sure. But I think we are way overprescribing, which means I'm not saying that you may not end up there, but could we try some things before we go there? Does that make sense? Now, please don't just, Pastor Bill said, dump my medicine. No, I did not. You need to talk to your doctor about that. Do not do that. But at the same time, I want to give you some things beyond that that I believe can also help if it's not a chemical imbalance. Like most of us are not a chemically imbalanced people. It's just maybe a season of that that we can take some for a season, or maybe we just work it out without using any kind of medications. Okay. And so what do we do? I want to show you someone in the Bible who was seriously depressed. In fact, he was so depressed, he wrote a book called Complaint. Can you imagine that? Hey, my new bestseller book is called Complaining. You'd be like, yeah, I don't need to buy that. I can just go talk to anyone at my workplace for that, right? I mean, you're like, are you, are you serious? Like, really? Like, just think of the most negative person you know, and they write a book, right? You're like, why are we doing this, right? But there's a guy in the Bible named Jeremiah. He wrote a book. The book literally is called Complaint. It's called Lamentations. That means lament, complain. Like, just go off on the screed on what you don't like and how miserable you are. Can you imagine that? Writing, reading a book about your misery, right? I mean, oh, I mean, this, this is just a, you just be thankful I'm not doing the series on, on Lamentations. None of us will be left. I'm telling you right now. I'm going to go straight to Lamentations 3, where you see it turn. But I could have put you through Lamentations 1 the first week, Lamentations 2 the next week, and then we got to Lamentations 3. I mean, you'd be like, oh, my gosh. I mean, it's just it's so, it's just, oh. But isn't that kind of how you feel when you're depressed? Like, like, this is just dragging out. I just need this to stop. I just want to get through this. That's where Jeremiah found himself. Jeremiah wasn't alone in the Bible with depression. Elijah dealt with depression in a huge way. I've taught on that one before. David clearly dealt with depression multiple times in his life. Proverbs, I mean, Psalms is full of talk of his depression. I mean, over and over again. Sometimes he's mad. Sometimes he's weeping. Sometimes he's yelling. I mean, you're like, I don't know, who, which David are we going to get today? You ever felt that way? And so that was where he was. So, so we can relate to these guys. So I want to read from Complaint and Lamentations chapter 3. This is Jeremiah. Oh, by the way, before I tell you any more about Jeremiah, but before I read what he said, let me tell you about him real quick. His complaints were very real. So I want, to be, I want to be real clear. I'm not suggesting 
that he was just negative nilly, that he was just you know, lacking faith. No, no, no. He's a prophet of God. He was a great man of God. But his complaints were legit because he just saw his hometown decimated by an enemy. He saw family members killed. There were probably dead bodies that he had to walk by on a daily basis. I'm not kidding. He saw half of his family killed. The other half probably were, were taken as prisoners, enslaved. I mean, he, 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 people he loved and trusted. And so, and so he, he went to the temple where, where, you know, he did his thing. It was in shambles. They tore it down. Can you imagine going to work? The whole building's broken down to pieces. Talk about depressing. You know, I'm going to go to my office. Oh, your office isn't there anymore. Why? It's burned. Nothing left. I mean, he had good reason to be depressed. And you may have very good reasons too. Just because you have good reasons doesn't mean we should stay down. So let's talk about Jeremiah. What did he do? Check it out. He said this, I am a man who has seen affliction by the rod of the Lord's wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has besieged me and surrounded me with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness and uh, darkness like those long dead. He has walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out to try for, call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. Now, hold on. How many of you guys know that, he doesn't, that God doesn't do that? So if you're like me, you're like, wait a minute. I mean, is the Bible wrong? This is a very common issue. People say, I don't believe the Bible. Why? Because the Bible talks about slavery. And the Bible, you know, reinforces that women, you know, have to be underneath a man. And and the Bible talks about all this misogyny. And the Bible Bible has people killing each other. And so how can you believe that book? That's where the confusion is. Let me help you with that. Do not confuse descriptive with prescriptive. Just because the Bible talks about slavery doesn't mean they're approving it. Just because it talks about abuse of people doesn't mean God's approving it. And just because Jeremiah is complaining, saying he doesn't feel like God hears his prayers, doesn't mean God doesn't hear prayers. It just means this is how he feels. And if you're like me, it kind of makes me feel better. Like, some of my feelings are wrong, too. How about you? You ever had that feeling like, man, is, is any of this stuff even real? Pastor, how, how can you say that? I can tell you I can say it because I'm a human. Because I have dark moments just like you do. When things don't make sense and I'm broken and confused and hurting. God, where are you? Who's not been there? Even Jeremiah the prophet was there. He goes on to say this. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. He's like, I had not seen a good day in a long time. He's like, stock market hadn't been up in I don't know how long. He's like, everywhere I turn, bad. He goes on to say this. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I had hoped for from the Lord. Oh, this is dangerous. He says, I've lost all hope. He's basically, I don't have any reason to live. Why am I here? This is a very dangerous place to be. This is when people get suicidal thoughts. This is when they have thoughts or even actions of hurting themselves or hurting others. Very dangerous place to be. And that's where Jeremiah was. He said, I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Whew, that's heavy, isn't it? But who can't relate? Can anybody relate to this? I know I can. So here's the point. Would you write this down? Your emotions are valid, but they aren't permanent. We're not saying your emotions aren't real. And you're not really feeling it. 
They're just not permanent. You ever had to tell one of your kids when they're 10, 11, they're having a really bad season, and you say, I promise you, you're going to get through this. It's almost like we need someone 120 to tell us that now. Right? You're like, oh, yeah, I mean, I, I told them because I, I could see further down the road than they can see at that, at that age and stage. Well, we need someone further down the road than the stage we're in to tell us that too. Does that make sense? And so, and even though I was kidding around about the whole empty nesters thing, we've had friends of ours who have been empty nesters for all. They've actually called on us and said, hey, how you guys doing? I know this is not an easy season. Just know we're here. We love you. And I was like, man, thank you for that because it isn't easy, right? So it's just nice to know someone's been down that road and they're encouraging me. It'll be okay. It's good to hear that, right? So I just want to encourage you in the same way. Your emotions are valid, but they are not permanent. Let me just mention a couple things on this if I can. First of all, naming your emotion is key to changing your emotion. So you got to say that loud. you got to say, man, I'm, I'm depressed or I'm angry or I'm frustrated or I'm mad at God. Whatever it is that you are, just acknowledge it. Because how can you change something you won't acknowledge? So start with that. And here's another one. Don't make permanent decisions or conclusions based upon temporary emotions. This is not like, should I live or not? No, you already decided to live. Why? Because you gave your life to Christ and now your life has a purpose. So you have reason to live. That's all the reason you need. And so, so I just want to encourage you. Also, don't make permanent conclusions. This is where people say, all men are bad. All women are bad, right? Or they say, all Christians are hypocrites. Well, maybe the one you last hung out with was, but it doesn't mean they're all hypocrites, right? You know, so we, we have a tendency to just throw this on, you know, like everything's bad or this whole town's this way or this whole zip code's that way or all these types of people are that way. And so you had a bad experience and now you're wanting to blanketly say everything's like this. That, that means you're taking that emotion from that one moment and you're making a conclusion off of it. Bad idea. I highly recommend you don't do that. So be careful not to make something permanent that really is temporary. So look what happens next. Thank God. Here's where everything changes. This is why I skipped to chapter 3 instead of parking in chapter 1 and 2. Check it out. Then he says, yet this I call to mind and therefore I have hope. Because of, your, because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Isn't that good to know? Like, oh, God, thank you. Great is your faithfulness. Would you write this down? Your situation feels hopeless, but there is always hope in God. Thank the Lord. Listen, you may be going through a tough season, but misery is optional. You don't have to be miserable. You can choose to say, yeah, it's a tough season, but God is good, and I'm going to get through this. I just want to encourage you with this, that we all go through those kinds of, of, of tough seasons. I love how it says that great is your faithfulness. This is so important because, you know, I, I think it's important to note, that line, you've probably heard the song, the famous song, one of the greatest hymns of all time, Great is Thy Faithfulness, right? It comes out of lamentations, which means that you really don't understand the greatness of God's faithfulness until you're in a dark season. How can you know what a good day looks like unless you've had a bad one? So you really understand the faithfulness of God when you really need the faithfulness of God. And he is there for you. I love how he says his mercies are new every morning. I don't know about you, but if you blew it last night, I got some good news for you. It's a new morning. You get new mercies today. You blew it last week, last month, last year. God says, I got new mercies for you. In his faithfulness, every day, he'll have new mercies for you. Praise God. That's how he operates. Aren't we, glad? Aren't we blessed? We're blessed. We are. They really are. There's a young boy, a 15-year-old boy named Douglas Marr. Uh, he was from Missouri. 
he kept feeling bad for several days. Couldn't figure out what was going on, but his, just, his health just took a nosedive out of nowhere. I was like, what is going on? I feel terrible. First, it was flu-like symptoms. It kept getting worse. He started to get a fever, 99, 100, 101, 103. At 105, they rushed him to the hospital, and they're like, what's going on? They ran all these tests, got his fever down, and after about a day and a half, they came to me and said, we were real, the doctor called him in, his mom, and they said, we were really sorry to tell you, but you have leukemia. I mean, what 15-year-old kid would not be freaked out, shocked, and devastated by this news, let alone a grown adult? The doctor said, look, we can get through this, but you need to know something. You're going to get really sick. We're going to put you in chemo. It's going to help. It should do the job, but you're going to lose all your hair. You're also going to gain a lot of weight from all the medicine. I mean, again, this kid's like, I'm 15. I'm losing all my hair, and I'm gaining weight. I don't like doing that at 50. I don't know about 15. So he's just so unhappy and scared and depressed and down and scared like anyone would be. About a week later, he gets some flowers from his aunt, which was very sweet. You know, he thought that was nice of aunt so-and-so to give me these flowers. But then about an hour or two after that, from the same florist, the, the same delivery guy shows up again with another bouquet of flowers. He's like, well, this is weird. So he gets the new flowers. And this is the one that changed everything. This is what the second flower bouquet said. It has a little note on it. It said, Douglas, I took your order today. I work at Bricks Florist. I had leukemia when I was seven years old. I'm 22 years old now. Good luck. My heart goes out to you. Sincerely, Laura Bradley. His face lit up and he said, oh. And then he was okay. Because he realized, yes, this is a dark moment. But I just met someone who's already been through it. So I want to tell you today, maybe you're really depressed and you're going through it. But I've got some great news for you. Here's the, here's the bad news. Millions of people deal with depression. Here's the good news. Millions more get through it. You're not stuck. You're going to get through this. A good new day is coming, and it's coming quickly. Now, before I tell you what to do, we're going to get to to do in just a moment. Next week, I want to challenge you to be here for the message. Uh, It's called Gaining Freedom from Fear. And so that's a big part of anxiety is fear. We're going to unpack that if you're fearful for the future, if you're fearful of other people's opinions, if you're fearful of uh, of failure. I don't know what you're fearful of. We're going to unpack how do you deal with fear next week. Be sure to be here for that. Then we're starting a brand new series after that. We just felt led to kind of interrupt the series we were about to do with a two-part series called The Power of God. So many people are getting practical tips from God and hearing God's word, and that's great. But you know what we oftentimes lack? It's just the power. Just, just the absolute power of God behind the wisdom. So we want you to come and literally experience the power of God. I'm very excited about this series. My, my son and I are doing this series together, Mason and I. I want you to be here for this series, the power of God, in two weeks. Don't miss this series. It's going to be good stuff. So let me keep going. Now I want to give you the practical things that you can do. And this is where, so he already turns. Now I want to, I want to go back to one thing I forgot to mention. He says, yet I call to mind. He remembers the things of God. You know, I want to tell you something. Many times when I'm depressed, when I'm down, when I'm discouraged, I learned this years ago when I first ran, went through this and I had to learn uh, how to call to mind where God had spoke to me. I still to this day remember one moment that was very powerful in my life. I was 16 years old. I was upstairs in my room in Houston, Texas. had the Bible open and I'm praying. And I just felt the power of God come over me. I'm crying my eyes. I said, God, Please just use me to change the world. God, use me to change lives. Please, God, I give you my life. Whatever you want to do with me, just do it, God. I surrender fully to you, and I know you're with me. To this day, when I'm down, I'm having a dark season, a tough moment, I remember that. 
And I always remember, no, I remember when God's hand was on me, speaking to me, guiding me, and his hand is still on me today. Go back and recall in your mind that moment at camp, that moment at that retreat, that moment when God saved you, that moment God changed you. Always call to mind, no, I know God's with me. I know when he touched me. I know my life is his, and he's got me in this dark moment. I remember what God did, and he's not done. Call to mind what God's already done, because God is still with you. That same God that helped you before will help you again. Now, what do we do? Let's get practical. Here's what we do. Check it out. He said this next in Lamentations 3, verse 24. I say to myself, I love that. He didn't say, God says to me. No. No, he said, no, I'm going to talk to myself now. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those whose hope is in him. To the one who seeks him, it is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. It is good for a man to bear the yoke while he is, while he is young. Oh, what? He basically just said, oh, yeah, I'm super depressed, but I'm going to call out to God. He's my portion. And by the way, if you're young, it's really good if you're depressed. What? Yeah. He says, this is great. I hope you're young when you're depressed. That will really help you in life to go through a massive depression at a young age. And all the, all the young people are like, amen? <laughs> what? Like, how is this a good thing? Right? Then he says this. Let him sit alone in silence, for the Lord has laid it on him. Let him bury his face in the dust. There may, be yet, there may yet be hope. What's he saying? He's saying the earlier you go through a depressing season of loss, of difficulty, of pain, the earlier you learn to grab a hold of your God and discover your purpose and your plans God has for you, and you have a whole life to live it out. It's a good thing. You guys have heard of a midlife crisis, right? Well, I mean, we've all heard of that, right? But did you know there's such a thing as quarter-life crisis? This is when someone just finishes college, they get their first job, and they literally start to say, this is all there is? Like, I thought there's any more. Like, I, I, everyone's like, just work hard, play by the rules, get a job, and everything will go good. And you're like, it's not going good. And so you hit a crisis. The good part about that is when you do that, you have your whole life to follow the Lord now. And so rather than setting, settling for mediocrity in your life, you begin to say, God, I want your best. And I'm calling out to you. And so if you're young and you're depressed, good news. God will speak to you through that. God will get a hold of you. This is an opportunity for you to learn to depend upon God, which is what he wanted all along for all of us, is to trust in the Lord. And so that's what he did. And so he says, the Lord is my portion. Let's, let's unpack that. Well, why would he say that? Now, that's interesting because Jeremiah says that, but so did David. Check it out. Psalms 119, David said, the Lord is my portion. Same thing. I have promised to keep your words. I sought your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. We go back to that good word, right? He's like, I'm going to cling to your word. I'm depressed. I'm down. I'm struggling. But Lord, you're my portion. Where is Jeremiah and David getting that? They're both getting it from the same source. They're getting it from the Old Testament, the Torah, the first word of God that we had. They both knew it in Numbers 18.20. This is what God tells Aaron. Aaron's one of the priests, and he says, hey, we're dividing all the land up, the promised land up for all the different people of Israel. And Aaron says, where's my portion? We divide everything up. There's nothing left. And God says, no, no, your portion's me. Aaron's like, hey, I'm lacking. I see what all they have. Why don't I have that? And God says, I'm your portion, Aaron. And so this is what he says. He says, and the Lord said to Aaron, you shall have no inheritance in their land. In their land. Neither shall you, you have any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance. So is God saying you don't have inheritance? No, he's saying, get your eyes off someone else's inheritance. Oh, can I help you through depression? Get your eyes off someone else's inheritance. 
and say, God, I just want everything you have for me. I don't want what someone else has got. I want what you got for me. Thou shalt not covet your neighbor or your neighbor's wife. So the Bible says, right? Lord, I don't want what others have. I want what you got for me. And then God says, and when you don't get what you want, I'm your portion. So here is one of the greatest gifts you will get when you lack. Is I've learned in my dark moments, when I didn't get what I wanted, I'm upset, I'm mad. You know, you know maybe, you're, maybe for you, you know, you're like, man, I didn't get the girl, didn't get the guy, I didn't get the promotion, didn't get the raise. I didn't get the whatever it is that you wanted. The dream I had didn't come through. Things aren't working out like I wanted. And this is what God says to you and me. God says this. He says this to me. I'll never forget years ago he said this to me. He said, hey, Bill, am I enough? Yeah, God, you're enough. I, I don't need all that other stuff. You're enough. You know why I know you're enough, God? Because I know people who have all those things and they're still depressed. So if I'm not happy in you, there's nothing the world can give me that will satisfy that. God, you're my portion. You're enough. And here's the crazy thing about this. Once you discover that God's enough for you, then God will begin whispering in your ear and you'll recognize something else. If God's enough for you, then guess what that means about you? It means you're enough, just like you are. You know what's wrong with all of us? We're waiting on someone to tell us what we need to hear. If I just had someone that would tell me I'm good looking, that I'm pretty, that I'm talented, if just someone would just tell me all the great things about me, I need to let you in on something. The world is all waiting on the world to tell them. So you gotta learn to tell yourself. You gotta learn to look in the mirror and go, you're good looking. You're pretty. You're talented. You got it going on. You gotta learn to do that. I'm like, I look in the mirror and I'm like, I'm the best looking spiky haired ADHD pastor in South Texas. That's right. That's right. That's right. You have to learn to believe in yourself. Here's the truth. The truth is, is if you don't learn to speak to yourself, you're going to be waiting a long time for someone else to say it for you. And so God already said it about you. So you need to, this is why God said what? Utter my words to you. This is why David also, I didn't use the scripture today, but he encouraged himself in the Lord. That's what, that's the same thing Jeremiah had to do. Elijah had to do this. Elijah did the same. He's like, wait, I'm a prophet of God. What am I doing all, all afraid right now? David was like, wait, you, you know what happened to David? A, a, a group came in and they stole his wife, his, his kids, and his stuff. It's like a country song. His wife God's left, kids left. Yeah. Anyway, so, so he lost it all. And so, but what did David do? He didn't sit there and sulk. He, I mean, he was upset and he had a season of bad thoughts and he was upset and he thought, oh my gosh, this is horrible. And so I'm not saying those feelings aren't real, but you know what? He realized I can either sit here and do this and sulk and just be in misery or I can get up and do something. So he began to say, you know what, wait a minute, I'm David. I've already killed Goliath. In fact, you know what, when I was 15 years old, when I was 13 years old, I learned how to throw a rock so well. I could sling a rock and I killed a lion when no one was around. I killed a bear when no one was around. Why am I going to be scared of these people? And he went and he got his wife back, his kids back, and his stuff back. It's like a country song in reverse. He got it all back. <laughs> the point the point is this, is, is that we need to learn to speak over ourselves. So you have to learn to say to yourself what you need and go and do it. Speak to yourself. Speak to your own situation. He said, I say to myself in Lamentations chapter 3, verse 24, the Lord is my portion. If you're waiting for someone else to say what you need, you're waiting a long time. Say it to yourself. I just need someone to tell me that I'm of great worth. Get in the mirror and tell yourself that then. 
I need someone to tell me that this sermon is good. I'm going to go home and tell myself that. You can tell me I love it, but if you don't, I'm going to say, that was a good sermon. You did a great job. You're the terminator. You're the sermonator. You got this. And so you got to believe in yourself. (laughs) If you are waiting for the world to fulfill your need for acceptance, you are going to be empty. But if you will learn to say to yourself, my God supplies all my needs. My God takes care of me. My God says that I'll never lack, according to his scripture. I mean, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I'm fine. If I trust the Lord, he's got this. The Lord says that I'm made in his image. I already know I'm good looking. Why? I'm made in God's image. He's not ugly. I know that. (laughs) So God's got me, right? And so I can have confidence in myself. I'm enough. Why? Because God's enough for me. But if God's not enough for me, I'll never be enough. But God's enough for me, then I'm enough. Don't tell your neighbor, just you and me. You're enough, just like you are. You already look good. You already are good. You're already strong. You're already talented. You have incredible potential. And until you get this, that God's already given you his portion, you already have it inside of you. The apostle Paul already had the whole New Testament inside his spirit before he ever wrote it. But if he didn't believe he had that, he wouldn't have wrote it. It's time for you to believe that God's enough and that you're enough. And then guess what I want you to do? Get up. Get going. Let's go. You got things to do. God has a purpose for you. God's got a plan for you. Let's roll. Oh, but pastor, but pastor, I'm just struggling. You're not coddling me and helping. No, calling doesn't work. I can hug you and we can cry together. But does that work? People have been doing that for you for a while now. Has that worked? No. You got to get moving. So here's some things I said to myself years ago that helped me, and maybe these will help you. And here's what I want you to do. I just want you to pick out one or two that will work for you. And, and are, is one the answer to everything, the total cure-all? No. It's a multidimensional issue with depression. But what if one just helps you a little bit? Then it's worth it. You know, in December 1944, uh, the famous Battle of Bastogne, uh, we were uh, fighting. The Allies were fighting against Germany. We're trying to stop Hitler. And the Germans had us surrounded. Very famous wars. It was the turning point of the war. And they were surrounded. And the, German, the Germans, uh, the, the general there yelled out to, the, to the, uh, the Allies and said, we have you surrounded. Surrender. Uh, I just heard, by the way, that the answer that they said back was nuts. I love that. Like, what? That's what they said. So I guess that was like a really tough word back then. But they said nuts. Basically, like, we're not doing that. And then this is what General Anthony McAuliffe said to all his soldiers as they were surrounded by the enemy. This is what he said. He said, gentlemen, we have the greatest opportunity presented in war an army's ever had. We can attack in any direction. Isn't that great? Just turn and attack in any direction. The enemy's all around you. Let's go. Do you know they won that war? They won that battle. In the same way I want to tell you right now, here's the good thing about your depression. You can try anything they're going to say next. It'll help. Just pick one. Maybe pick two. Don't do too many. Just do one or two. Here's what I said to myself years ago. Just some things I said and, and that I did and that really helped me. I said to myself this. My God is good. One of the first things I said to myself is that I know what I'm going through is tough, but God's still good. I'm not going to lose my perspective on how great God is. I also said this to myself. I'm going to get some good sleep. I still say it to myself when I'm really down. I just go, just go to sleep. Just get some sleep. It's amazing what a good night's sleep can do for you. Just get some sleep. Here's something else I said to myself. I'm going to change my diet. 
I just can eat a little healthier. I think I'll feel better if I'm not relying on sugar nonstop and carbs, you know. Change your diet. How about this one? I'm going to turn off social media and open the Word of God. It just really helps me, you know. How about this one? And I did this years ago. I'm going to call a counselor. You know I have a counselor? It really helps me. I've had several counselors in my life. In fact, my very first counselor I ever had, <laughs> I brought him in to talk to my whole staff. All the staff is like, this guy's amazing. I was like, yeah, no, he really helped me. I know he's amazing. So I, if I as a pastor can tell you that I've gone to counseling and it helps me, then you know, I'm, I talked to my counselor this week. And what you need may change over the years. Like my counselor is, is, is a counselor and he's actually also a performance coach. He specifically counsels leaders. So it's kind of a different kind of counseling. But sometimes it's like, hey, how do I take this organization further? And sometimes it's like, I'm just having a bad day. And he helps me either way. So, so if, I, if I can admit that, that I needed that, can you admit it? Then maybe you just need to talk to somebody. Maybe you need to say, I, I need to go see a doctor. Maybe that would really help you. I went to a doctor years ago about chronic pain. I was like, I just can't keep doing this. I can't, I can't be in pain all the time. And I expect to function as a father and a husband and a pastor. And like, okay, here's some things we can do to, to help you. So maybe it's just time to say some different things to you. Here's something you can say to yourself. Maybe it's time for me to join a life group and get some life-giving people around me that can encourage me. Maybe for you, here's something else I said to myself. I just need to go for a walk. Get out in the sunlight. And just pray. I just need to set some goals, some practical things, and just go do it so I feel good about myself. Just take one of those things and say it to yourself. Would you bow your heads up and you every head bowed, every eye closed, and we just take a moment to pray. How is your spirit speaking to you? Is there something in you jumped out and said, that's the one thing I need to do? If God gave you an idea, something to do, would you just lift your hand high and say, thank you, God, I'm going to do that this week. I'm just going to get practical. I'm just going to do that. Just that one thing. Praise God. Just hold your hand high. Whatever it is, just do it. Just do that one thing. Praise God. Is it going to be the, the ultimate solution? Probably not. Will it help? Yes. Yes, it will. Give it a shot. Have some faith. You see, nothing can change in your life until you change. So it's time to make a change. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God sent his son, Jesus. He's your portion. Have you accepted him? You can receive him by praying this simple prayer. Just say this prayer with me today across all of our churches, those online. Just say this prayer to receive Jesus. Just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart, be my Lord, and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just accepted Christ as your Lord and your Savior, would you just lift your hand high? No one's looking around. Just lift your hand high all across our churches. People's hands are going up. Thank you. Praise God. We see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. All the way in the back. Thank you. Right here in the middle. Thank you. Thank you, Rodfield. Just hold that hand high. Praise God. Praise God. We see your hand. Thank you. All the way there at Stone Oak. Praise God. Hold your hand high. Praise God. Thank you, Rockport Fulton. Praise God. Hold your hand high. Thank you, Padre. Praise God. Padre Island, thank you. Those of you who are online with us right now, you can put it in the text chat. Just text my hands raised or click hand raised right now. Praise God. We praise God for the decision you made to give your life to Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that, that just like Jeremiah, we can get stuck. But if we'll call out to you, and begin to speak to ourselves your truth 
then you can help us get unstuck. Thank you, Father, that we don't have to stay in this misery, but you empower us to overcome our depression. Thank you for your word today. Thank you, God, just for the little help to make a difference. In your name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.